We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Purple Talk podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. I am James Ham. Joining me, my good friend Doug Christie. DC, what's going on? How are you, Hamster? All is well, my friend. All is well. I'm good. I see you're wearing a Seattle Mariners hat. Uh, always, I just always repping. I, I I would wear an Oakland A's hat, but I don't think I have an A's hat at this point. I I don't wear a lot of team sport hats just because of my job. Um, but but, you but know. you're but you're a fan. Uh, I am okay. definitely a fan of the Oakland Athletics, oh, which I, I'm know. sure I'm sure right now you're a fan of the Oakland Athletics. That's, that's how it kind of goes. You know, I take <laughs> a lot of crap around here, but it's all good. You know, yeah, I'm, I was I'm gonna ride with my Mariners. We, we, you know, we got some young talent. We're taking it on the chin right now. It's all good. That's right. Yeah, I was a fan, Doug, when uh, the double play com- uh, combo was Alfredo Griffin and Donnie Hill up the middle with uh, an outfield of Ricky Henderson. Uh, Dwayne Murphy, Mike Davis. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've been a, I've been an A's fan. I remember Mickey Tuttleton as as an A's catcher you're, before you're, he went on to fame. You're legit then. Okay. Yeah, I'm a baseball we'll junkie. Get, we'll get I'm, you we'll get you a hat. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a baseball junkie. So so look, uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover. So um, uh, you know, the first thing is uh, Sacramento Kings were the they did not win in the lottery. They did not move up into the top four, but that's kind of expected. They had a 6.1% chance of moving into the top four. I think 1.3 being number one, 1.4 being number two, 1.6 being number three, 1.8% chance of being number four. None of that worked out. Uh, Minnesota Timberwolves won the lottery, which uh, to be honest with you, I, I don't think I love the top spot in this draft, Doug. Um, and of course the Golden State Warriors end up number two. Um, I think the downfall for the Sacramento Kings is that uh, neither of those teams are in the playoffs and they're both Western Conference teams. And so now you're competing against even more, uh, which is a slight concern, right? Um, So Doug, just like, let's start with the number 12 pick. Like when it hits uh, and the card flashes up on the screen, I I mean, you kind of, you had to feel the same way that most people did. Eh, that's typical um and yeah. you know 
we go from here, right? Yeah. I, I mean, when you got a one point something chance of moving up, you know, it, normally it does not happen. So I was, you know, I was totally fine with it. I actually started looking at players that were maybe going to be around that area and started thinking along the lines of what are the things that the Kings need to improve? And my thought process, and this might not necessarily be the Kings, but my thought process is, uh, elite length and defensive size at the wing position. And I'm talking about a three, you know, um, you've signed Harrison Barnes, you got Bogdan, you got um, Kent Bazemore, you got Buddy Heald, but this is the type of player that you bring along and you turn them into something. And I would be more of the mindset, Ham, I don't know about you, of I'm a motor first guy. I want somebody that defends, that has a motor. And then from there, you develop them and teach them and turn them into what you want to be. Someone, you're thinking Jimmy Butler, you're thinking uh, Kawhi Leonard, you're thinking those type of players. Now, they might not reach the heights that both of those players have ever reached, but the point is they had that motor in the beginning and then offensively their game developed with uh, player development. Yeah. Okay. So I think we're on the same path here. Um, you know, because I, I look at Harrison Barnes as a three, four combo. And I also look at him as a long-term four for this team. I think long-term, I mean, he's under contract for another three years. I think we're probably going to see Harrison play more and more at the power forward position. I think that means that uh, Marvin Bagley, Rashawn Holmes slide over to the slide over to the five. And I always hear this, like, best player available versus, you know, um, versus need. And I, I think to myself, at number 12, um, first of all, best, best player available is so subjective. It, it just, like, it's best player available to me, best player available to Doug Christie. Uh, mm-hmm. We each have best player availables that are completely different. Um, I, I'm on Mach 14.0. I, I published 14.0 last night. I'll probably hit like Mach 22 by the time this thing is all done. Um, mm-hmm. So I've studied these players extensively. And I agree with you when it comes to the player that you want at this position. Um, although I do think that there's some, there's some fluctuation that can happen. I mean, for me, if a guy like Killian Hayes, a point guard out of Germany, falls um, I can see a little Shea Gilgis Alexander there. Uh, I think he can play the, okay. t- the one and the two, and you can do uh, a dual point, point guard set with De'Aaron Fox. Mm-hmm. Plus he's super, super young, 18 going on 19. Um, mm-hmm. I could also see Doug that you're looking at your center position and you're thinking, okay, we think we're going to play Marvin Bagley there. Uh, but Rashawn Holmes is only on a contract for one more year. Um, Harry Giles, Alex Lynn are not under contract going forward. Even if you're using Jabari Parker at that position, now I've got one year potentially out of Jabari Parker and he can even opt out. So I can also look at a guy like Precious uh, Achua out of Memphis, um, who's Mm -hmm. just a super high motor, super physical. Uh, He's got a little bit of Montrez in him, but I think Mm -hmm. more skill than Montrez. Um, so I, I could see a player like that, but I'm going to go back to what you said, Doug, get me a long, long wing. And it can be, it can be a three, it can be a three, four. Uh, I think there's a stack of guys who are six foot six, uh, in Aaron, uh, Neesmith, uh, Devin Vassell, 
and Isaac Okoro. If any one of those three fall to number 12, I think the Kings have to consider them. Uh, Patrick Williams is bigger, six foot eight, uh, over a seven foot wingspan. So he's a guy that can play the three and the four. Um, mm-hmm. I really like that idea, a guy that can play the three and the four and switch ability and stuff like that. Um, I always go back to uh, the Portland Trail Blazers. And the, the Blazers got hit hard this year with injuries to Zach Collins. They knew coming in that Yusuf Nurkic was down, but the injury to Zach Collins hit them hard. Um, and it's it's partially because they had allowed Alfaro Camino and, uh, and Mo Harkless to walk out the door. So when they made it to the Western Conference Championship last season, people forget that last season they were in the Western Conference Finals. Um, yeah. They basically, they had these two dudes that played, they were completely interchangeable at the 3-4. And that's mm-hmm. something that in the modern NBA, I think you need. So if you can get a six foot eight guy that can play the 3-4 and you've got Harrison Barnes can play the 3-4 and now switching on the bigs, it, it, you know, switching on the 3-4 doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's defending who. They can even, you know, get a bigger two. You know, those types of guys I think are extremely valuable. So I'm kind of open here. Uh, I do have some favorites, but uh, of the group, I mean, I know you've done a little bit of research. Who do you like, Doug? Um, you know, I, I like uh, Devin Vassell from uh, Florida State. I, I, he, he's a, a kid with a motor. Um, I, I'm going to have to dig a little deeper on some of these guys. Leandro uh, Bolomaro, mm-hmm. I believe it's as how you pronounce his name from Argentina is a playmaker type of player. Maybe uh, you can actually play through him a little bit because incredible passing skills. And he, you know, both of these guys are kind of light, probably about 180, 190 pounds, something like that. Uh, Isaac Okoro is is another one out of Auburn, but it, it, you know, you're going to have to get your hands on them. And for me, it's more of, like I said, about the motor. Uh, I'm not thoroughly impressed if you are a polished scorer in the the NCAA, unless you are picking like one, two, or, you know, really high. In this particular instance, you need some wing guys. You need guys that are going to be able to switch out and defend everything from one to four. And if you can find somebody like that, I think it just bolsters your roster. When you look around the league, you look at uh, at Milwaukee, you look at these teams that are are doing things, even a Houston uh, ball club, they've went in, in this route and they've kind of done it on the polar opposite end of everyone else meaning I'm not playing a center at all but the ability is everyone can catch dribble pass shoot screen defend maybe not at a super high level but you're looking for quality basketball players then you push them through your your skill development and you develop your players because for the Kings that's ultimately how you're going to begin to build this ball club where you want it to be yeah so here's like we can take Neesmith as the one guy, right? He's the guy that okay. of this group is, I mean, he's just an absolute incredible scorer. I mean, he, he shot 52% from three and we're not mm-hmm. talking about like two threes a game. We're talking right. about eight, he was pulling eight, triggers. Two, 8.2 three point attempts per game. He's an elite, mm-hmm. elite shooter, but he's also a crafty scorer, but he's also a guy who averages less than an assist per game. And the Kings already have an issue with players who do not uh, have the skill of, of creating for others. So you can use him as a weapon. Uh, he's a guy who moves really well without the ball, kind of what we want Buddy Hill to do, run around, mm-hmm. find a new spot, 
Uh, if you're not open there, go to another spot. He's smart enough to look for holes in the defense and goes and finds that stuff. But I, I'm kind of with you. I, I want a hustle guy. And, you know, even if they bring back Kent Bazemore, whatever pick you have at number 12, you know, you're, you should be looking a year down the road, two years down the road to somebody that can absolutely and really help yes. you. So give me, give me size, give me length at that position. Cause that's going to be huge. Give me the ability to sit in the corner and hit a three. So I can at least be serviceable in space of floor as a young player. Uh, but I also want a dude who's an alpha. I don't want somebody who's soft. Uh, I want someone who comes in and like wants to fight and fight mm -hmm. for that position. Uh, give me somebody that, you know, there are no questions about his motor at all. Um, mm -hmm. You know, which is, you know, a guy like Jalen McDaniels uh, up in Washington, incredible yeah. talent. I mean, if I'm oh, looking boy. at him, uh, he looks like he's, his frame is Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Isaac, right? Um, yeah, from Jonathan Orlando. Isaac, that's, KD, yes, that same type yeah, of Yeah, that's frame. what he looks like. But anytime I start seeing red flags about personality or uh, ability to, you know, disengage, he disengages on defense. Um, there are some guys that have a, have an issue with, if they have the ball in their hands, I think even like the, the guy who most people think will go number one overall, Anthony Edwards, he reminds me a little bit of Tyreek Evans. Like he's really good when the ball's in his hands, not so good when it's not, he's really mm -hmm. good when his guy has the ball. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, he's not very good. You know, he's he's right. one of those guys who are waiting for a bus, and you hope that you can build that acumen. But I, I think they're also give me a guy who already does that, right? You know, like again, yeah. if Coro falls to the Sacramento Kings, he's raw offensively, but man, we're talking about you know uh, Andre Iguodala type athleticism, type defensive mindset, uh, mm -hmm. maybe a little even Ron Artest. Uh, mm -hmm. And he's a winner. He's a brawler. He doesn't care. He just wants to get in there and win. And so I think, you know, even for me, if I'm the Kings, I'm looking at some of these guys and saying, okay, what does it take to move up to, to number eight so I can secure or number six? So I know that I can get uh, one of these guys that I think can be a chain, uh, a game changer. Uh, again, Vassell, I just look smooth with the jumper um Kings fans fell in love with Bridges uh that um which Bridges, Miles Bridges? uh no um, uh Mikhail yeah 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 Mikhail Bridges um for, he improved for quite drastically actually yeah and if you look that's what uh Vassell kind of looks like he looks like Bridges like at the college level so mm -hmm. you're looking at these players and saying okay how do I fit that guy in um but again this team needs they need somebody that with some punch, they need a physical, physical presence. that doesn't mind mixing it up. And to me, that's, if we're again, best player available, that's a skill set that is, I mean, you can look at it and you can see, and that moves a guy up the board in my mind, Doug. Yeah. That's why when you, you look at a player and this was a player that got developed, but unfortunately had to be in the trade to get Kent Bazemore is winning Gabriel, uh, elite size and length. And you're watching him now in Portland. I mean, is he doing everything single thing? No, but you can see the young player begin to evolve defensively and the motor is what gets him on the court. The rest of it, 
that is up to your skill development and the ability to develop your players at a at a high level and when you're picking in these these areas like you can move up to six or eight and I could get uh, the same or better player at 12 if I have that eye and I'm able to see them and the 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 developmental part of the organization as a, at a really high level. And that's just kind of how you got to move forward until you, you get these guys that are, that are super high level. Now, when you got a guy like De'Aaron Fox and the ability to maybe recruit some of his friends and different things as they become free agents, because we've seen this around the league when that happens, great. Or if it doesn't happen, but until that does, you got to be able to develop your talent. Yeah. So I'm going to touch on Winyan for a sec because I know some people are watching the, the NBA playoffs and they're pissed because Winyan was a Sacramento King and now he's not. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, Winyan had signed a two-year two, uh, two-way deal with the Sacramento Kings um, right. because he and his agent, and he's not super young, he and his agent both knew that for him to get into the league, he has elite athleticism, he has elite size, He's got a good motor. He's got an incredible heart. He's an absolutely spectacular young man. Um, but they knew that he was raw. And so they signed a two-year two-way. Well, he impressed Luke Walton so much last summer uh, with his workouts during voluntary stuff when he was just coming in the gym, uh, putting his thumbprint in and coming in and working mm-hmm. with whoever would work with him. He impressed him so much. Uh, that he actually earned a roster spot. And so they elevated him from the, the two-way to uh, an actual roster spot. Now, I'm going to first and foremost, I'm going to give huge, huge props to the, the GM of the Stockton Kings, Anthony McClish. Uh, he is the one that found Winyan Gabriel and got him in. He's the one who, who has been finding talent like Daquan Jeffries, uh, and if you look around the league, all of these guys, uh, Cam Oliver, um, Gabe Vincent, these are guys that have come in to the Stockton Kings. The King, I think Stockton has one of the highest elevation rates in the league, guys that they bring mm-hmm. in that actually make it to the NBA. Yeah. So first and foremost, shout out to McClish, who's done an incredible job. Um, and he's actually an unsung hero behind the scenes for this team, in my opinion. Um, and Ty, Ty Ellis, the uh, head well, coach yeah. here as well. Yeah, Ty Ellis and, and their staff has done a remarkable job of developing guys. Drake, you, um, you? Yeah, yeah, Drake, yep. exactly. But you, you have to have something to mold. You, you can't mold mud into it, – it's, it's either clay or it's not. So, mm-hmm. you know, these guys have done a really good job of molding clay, but they had some clay to work with, and these guys are developing it and becoming something better. Now, when it comes to Winion, I'm just going to explain what happened here. The Kings, in order to make that trade, it had to be a two-for-one. I mean, a two-for-two to, to match salaries. And so when the Kings made the trade with Portland, they had a choice between Justin James and Winion Gabriel, which one to throw in on the deal. They're both basically minimum contract guys. They had just spent a second-round pick on, on Justin James. They like him. They like him a lot. He might be that rangy, crazy length guy that we're talking about. Uh, we don't know yet because, you know, he just hasn't been able to get on the court, but he's got incredible energy and incredible motor, uh, great length, great leaping ability. He's just, again, he's a little bit raw. Um, so they had to make a choice. They went with Justin James instead of winning Gabriel. 
Um, will they pay for that down the road? It's possible. Um, but again, Winion is a minimum scale contract guy who's found himself into a situation in Portland uh, where they ran out of, out of forwards. And it is what it is. They, you know, they've had to make adjustments. He, he's a guy that even, you know, the Kings ran him out there and started him against Anthony Davis in a game. So it's not like we haven't seen him on the court at all. Uh, but that's, that's sort of why the winning Gabriel thing happened. They chose Justin James over winning Gabriel. We'll have to wait and see how that pans out long-term, but it's not like you gave up a frontline NBA starter and uh, you just gave up a prospect that you had worked hard to, to develop. And, um, and, they told Winnie and Gabriel when they traded him, like, look, we're going to make roster adjustments, but in order to do the deal, we have to trade two to get two back to match salaries. Mm -hmm. If something happens in Portland, the door will be open for you to come back. Um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah they, they love him. Were very, they, they absolutely loved him and loved his work ethic. And, and uh, you know, that, I mean, all of the, all those guys that were involved in that, Vlade Peja, as you mentioned, Anthony McClish, all those guys, developing that young talent and trying to bring all that along and utilizing the Stockton Kings in the right way. Harry Giles went down there and he was able to, to get out on the floor. I went and watched his first game, went down, had 30 and 12 or whatever, and came back and played the next night. So just a lot of good synergy from uh, the organization moving the, from Reno to Stockton made a lot of sense utilizing the, um, the practice facility over by Arco, all these, Mm -hmm. were, were very integral moves that I think utilize that in a, in a big way. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we kind of, we don't know where the draft is going to go at this point. Um, you know, again, we don't even know when the draft is going to be as of right now, I think it's set for October 16th, but we're already hearing that it's possible that both the draft and free agency will be moved back. If draft and free agency are moved back, that means that the season is getting pushed back. Uh, Adam Silver was very clear last night on the telecast that he thinks that the December, December one date is a little early, um, uh, whether that means that the NBA will start on December 25th or they'll push into January. What they're trying to do here. So people understand is they're trying to get as far away from the real outbreak of the coronavirus as possible. Uh, they're trying to get to a point where maybe there's a vaccine and people can, can get a vaccine and they can have fans in the building. They're trying to just get through this initial stage where you know a thousand people a day are, are still perishing in, in the United States. Um, and they really do hope that they'll have the ability to get fans in the stands for next season, um, but they're gonna have a cautious approach to it just like they should. Um, so we really don't know when the draft will be, uh, when free agency will be, but the Kings have a ton of ground to cover. And, and to be honest with you, Doug, this might be the best thing that happens to the Sacramento Kings that the season gets pushed back, even if it's three weeks uh, or, or five weeks. Um, just because at this point, uh, Vlade and Peja have left. Uh, you know, this all happened after we had our podcast last week. Um, it's something that we kind of knew was possible, but it kind of came out of nowhere. And so let's just start there. Look, uh, this is a touchy subject for everyone involved. Uh, Vlade and Peja are both legends in Sacramento. Um, and so that's, that's something that you know, we can start with. Uh, it's not something that I think anyone saw coming because we knew that this offseason was so condensed. But just 
what are your, your first thoughts? Because I know you love these guys. I know they're former teammates. Uh, you guys have been like a, a family for years and you've been super close during this process while they're here, you know, running the front office and everything for the last five yeah. years. You know, it's it, frankly, it, it's tough, Ham. I mean, uh, as you mentioned, I, I love Peja and love Lottie. I mean, I, they're like family to me. Uh, but, you know, speaking to both of them, they, they understand this is big boy business. You know, it's this isn't pressure like playing on the floor. You know, it's pressure. You're trying to do everything that you can. I think the accumulation of talent and different things is probably the best that the Kings have seen in quite some time. Did it go exactly how you would like it to go? No. I mean, if you look at the nine years prior to Vlade being here in no playoffs, I think it was 27 wins. They've now moved up to 32 wins. So there's been a modicum of success, but it hasn't been the success that I'm sure Vlade would have liked to see and definitely Kings fans and the organization would not like to see. Um, but that kind of, it, it's part of the business. Had not the pandemic hit or had not the Kings been invited to the bubble, would this have happened? Most likely not. The Kings did not look good in the bubble they did not perform the way that they could and when they did it was it was spotty and so the the organization chose to move in a, a different direction um you know i would love to to see them have the ability to turn this around you and i have had many conversations i mean between uh, between vlade and peja and myself and bobby the guys that are still around this is something that we want more than anything is to watch the Kings have a parade and watch the Kings fans be able to get the respect that, that, that they are truly, truly due uh, for being the great fans that they are and supporting this team in that way. But uh, that it doesn't stop anything. Uh, Vlade and Paige are still, they're, they're rooting for the Kings. They want them to succeed. It's, it, you know, it's unfortunate. It sucks in many ways, but this is the business that we chose to be in. And the same thing happened when I was here playing as a player and we made an incredible run and I go to practice one day. And by the time I drive 30 minutes to home, I'm no longer a king and it was one of the worst days that that I could experience as a professional but and now here I am I'm, I'm back so it, it happens and um, you know we're gonna have to see where, where you go from here I mean a lot of people were wanting and calling for Vlade's job so okay it's it's done now now what now where do you go from here you are listening to the Purple Talk podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. If you haven't already, please hop on, give us a rating and review. That would be greatly appreciated. Also, uh, a better tomorrow starts with Wendy's breakfast. At Wendy's, we don't ask what tomorrow holds, but rather, what will you hold tomorrow? Will it be the breakfast baconator, the honey butter chicken biscuit? No matter what you choose, tomorrow's looking good with Wendy's at participating U.S. Wendy's. Now, let's get to another word from our sponsors. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event is happening now at Mercedes-Benz of Stockton. Take advantage of 0% financing up to 36 months and defer your first payment for 90 days. Mercedes-Benz of Stockton, just off I-5 at the 8-mile road exit or mbofstockton.com. All right, we're back. Doug Christie, James Ham, Purple Talk Podcast. Yeah, I think first and foremost, I'll say this. Let's not try that again uh and this isn't a slight on on Vladi Arpeja. uh my point of view is when the kings were sold they brought mitch richmond into the fray 
Um, and I don't think at this point, after what happened, Mitch Richmond came in, he worked, he was a part owner. He, he worked as part of the, the front office with Mully and with Pete D'Alessandro. Um, and now, to be honest with you, I don't think Mitch Richmond will step foot in Golden One Center. Um, the same thing like with Vlade and, and Peja. I hope that they don't feel that way. I hope that when they come in and they sit courtside for some event, that they get the ovation that they deserve as players and legends for this team. They, Vlade is a Hall of Famer and completely well-deserved. Uh, Peja, to be honest with you, should also be in the Hall of Fame on the international ticket. When he retired from the NBA, he was number three in the NBA all-time in three-point makes. He, With the championship. Yeah, and he probably is a Hall of Famer for people, and he should be recognized as that, and he should be cheered as that uh, when he walks in the building. Now, what I'm saying is don't do it again. Do not take your legends, put them out there in positions that always, always end. They These positions end no matter what because they can't do it forever. You know, a guy like Jeff Petrie had like 16 years uh, running the Kings. Maybe it was more than that. I, whatever it was, it was a huge amount of time. His last like seven years, his last seven drafts were just absolutely horrific. Uh, and so you have a different feeling about Jeff Petrie now than you did when he had assembled this incredible team. But what I'm saying is do not go out and get Chris Weber. Do not go out and, and find another former great King and put him in a position where there's a very good possibility he'll fail. And that, that would be my only advice because like you, I have a huge amount of respect and love for those guys. Uh, watching them as players is one thing. Knowing them as human beings is completely different. I've had conversations about Luca. I've had conversations about why Vlade traded, uh, you know, Carl Landry, Jason Thompson, Nick Stauskas for two pick swaps and, and a first round pick. I know that while everyone wants to speculate and everything else, we can only say it so many times, their heart was pure with every single one of these moves. There has never been a motive outside of trying to improve the Sacramento Kings for these two, these two guys. And so that's it. That's what makes it hard for me. It's that not that I think that they did such an incredible job that, you know, how could this happen? It's that, uh, they made some mistakes along the way and those mistakes eventually led to their demise, but it was not under any circumstance malicious. It was all with a pure heart. Uh, and it was with one goal with, and that was to get the Sacramento Kings, not just to the playoffs, to the championship. They, they wanted the ring that they didn't get. And that yeah. to me is the thing that hurts the most for them. It's that, they have to once again leave unfinished business here and, you know, we can dissect it all we want. Uh, but you know, the Luca decision will come back to haunt Vlade. Uh, it should be haunting his nightmares. Uh, she, you should see Luca and Trey young hugging in his nightmares because that is a move that, that, you know, doesn't matter how good Marvin Bagley is from here on out. There's a 99% chance he's not going to be Luca Doncic. Uh, so that's one move, but what you said, Doug, like I've covered this team for 10 years. The last couple of seasons, the best three, the well, the best two seasons that the Kings have had, um, if you look at win-loss record. 
So while people want to heap on and say, well, Vladi didn't turn, didn't turn it around. He didn't make it better. It's like, well, that's not true. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. 25 wins, 24 wins, 25 wins was a stretch. 19. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 19 wins, 27 wins. They got stuck at 27. Uh, Michael Malone has said this repeatedly. He says, the people in Sacramento made me out to be Red Arbach. And he's like, I never won anything. Like everyone thought I was this genius after I left, this incredible uh, boogie cousin uh, boogie cousin whisperer. He's like, well, none of that's true. We didn't win. So right. why am I held to a different standard? Um, but at the same time, they had continuity with Dave Yeager. Could Dave Yeager have taken this team regardless of Luke Walton? Could he have continued to build off of that? That's a decision that, that Vladi made. So while I, I understand the, the fans like grief and, and anger and all that stuff. I think we also get a little too wrapped up. And I think a lot of people are stuck in their homes. They have nothing to do, but, but get frustrated with, with the sports that they're not being able to watch. And, and I'll finish. This is my last set all on this subject. Um, the, a lot of fans are, are up in arms because the Phoenix Suns went eight and zero in the bubble, right? And we could have had Monty Williams. We could have had this. We could have had that. They go eight and zero. We go three and five. Oh, it's such a failure. Well, if the Sacramento Kings went eight and zero, they they would be in the playoffs. Uh, the fact is that the Phoenix Suns were so bad for sixty four games that they went eight and zero in the bubble. Same team, same coaching staff. They go eight and zero in the bubble they still weren't good enough to make the playoffs because they were that bad for the first 64 games of the season. The Kings were a much better team, but whatever reason they came out in the bubble. And and to be honest with you, if we didn't have the bubble, Doug, I I think that Vlade and Peja are still there that they take us into the next season because they had actually shown that they were building towards something. Uh, The win percentage says the Kings would have won roughly 65 games, four games off of last season's total. And fans would be like, well, that's not good enough. And it's like, well, you know, Dave Yeager did not have to deal with 13 games played for, uh, for Marvin Bagley. Dave Yeager also did not have to deal with uh, De'Aaron Fox rolling his ankle and missing a huge amount of time early in the season. Uh, De'Aaron Fox played 81 games last season. He missed, I think it was 17 with the, the rolled ankle and 21-22 overall. But uh, – but like, these are issues. Dave Yeager did not have to deal with the coronavirus wiping out four of his players right before the restart. And so like, look, there are in the world of, of everything there, I, this is something Paul Westfall used to say all the time. There are excuses and there are reasons. And to me, the reason why the Kings did not have a great eight game restart was four cases of coronavirus took players out of the ability to work out, to work with the team, to mesh with the team. You add in the Rashawn Holmes 10 day absence because he decided to go get some chicken wings. You add in De'Aaron Fox rolling his ankle and missing a week. This team did not have time to gel by the end of the eight games. We started to see a little bit more of the Kings team that we, we saw in in March. Um, And because of those things, the entirety of this franchise is going a different direction. So, I, I mean, it's, it's really, that's professional sports. So right, Doug, you know, it is, it, 
It, it truly Chris is. Chris Lover doesn't take a bad step on May 8th, 2003. Uh, you guys probably win a championship and, you know, none of this happens. But that's not what happens. Right. This is professional sports and you live with whatever happens, right? Yeah, and, and that's what um, my, my good friends told me is, listen, it's, uh, this is big boy business and, and we understand that. So uh, I'm proud of them. I love them dearly and always will. This is just uh, part of, as you say, Ham, professional sports. Okay, so let's, let's finish with this. Um, Joe Dumars is going to run an advanced search. Um, he's working with Vivek Ronadive. We know at this point that the general manager will not answer to Joe Dumars. He will answer to, um, to Vivek Ronadive. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we know the role that Joe Dumars will have going forward, which is always going to be a concern. I think it definitely limits who you can possibly get as a general manager slash president of basketball operations candidate. Um, what, what do you want, Doug, from this role? Is there some type of a person or players or someone that you love that you think would fit perfectly here? And I, and again, I think there are two different jobs here. If Joe Dumars is involved, then there's one list of candidates. If Joe Dumars is not involved, there's a completely different list of candidates. I kind of want to know which of these buckets I'm pulling from. And mm -hmm. I'm kind of hoping it's this bucket where we get a fresh start um, and somebody can come in and really put this thing on a path that is his own. Uh, but uh, what, what is your, what is your take? You know, really it's about defining and Vlade and those guys have some talented people, you know, Kent Canella, he, he knows what he's doing in the front office. Uh, there are people there. So my, I guess my answer to you is regardless of who it is, cause you could bring someone in new Pete D'Alessandro was all new. Okay. And, but that didn't work out. So defining, it did not, <laughs> no, it did not. Defining, defining culture, defining what you're looking for moving forward as an organization, I think is, that is the key. It's very simple. It sounds simple, but that is a championship mindset. And once that is defined, the P, you may have some of the pieces that you need already. You may not. Um, there is no perfect individual. So you, and that goes with players too. You got to understand the strengths and weaknesses of players. And there's a way to still be able to do all that, defining the ability to uh, you know, take your talent to the next level. There are so many different things that I would say need defining. And once they're defined, I'm, I'm okay. I, it's not, you know, it, it's not a brain surgery to do it, but at the same time, it's not super simple. But if once you have direction and that's where the defining of a process comes into play, that for me is, is what I would like to see, define it. So we know that this is King's basketball. This is King's organization. This is how the Kings do it. And when that's done, I think that the fans, everybody will have something that they can be extremely proud of. I think that they were working towards that. Uh, and unfortunately, we're on a, on a different track. But that's, that's okay. It's part of the business. Uh, but define. 
And so there's no one individual. I think there's a, there's a bunch of people out there that could do the job, depending upon what it is that you're looking for and what you're looking for needs to be defined. (laughs) Hey, Doug, I I understand what you're saying. Um, You want to know, I, I think this is something you have said repeatedly again and again, like what is Kings basketball? We saw Kings basketball for one season and it wasn't perfect and it was mm-hmm. frenetic and all over the place, but that might be the only time in the last decade where I actually saw an identity. And so when they went away from that identity this year, it was jarring because it was like, okay, look, like we figured out a lot of ways to not make the light bulb, you know? And then we figured out one way to make the light bulb. And then you, you didn't try to improve on making the light bulb, you decided to try again to make the light bulb in a different way, if that makes sense. Because what is it? Uh, whoever made the light bulb, Alexander Grumbel, is that who it was? I, he said it wasn't that. Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison, my bad. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. Um, it's that, you know, I, it's not that I found 10,000 ways to not make the light bulb and one way to make it. And so mm-hmm. you have to sometimes you have to understand that you have to go through some of this stuff. Now, 14 seasons is, is not going, the worst part is you're 14 seasons and a new guy could want to start fresh and blow everything up and, you know, allow a guy like Bogdanovich to walk out the door, trade a guy like Buddy Heald. Uh, it just really mix the whole thing up and say, you know, I want this in, in my image and we're going to push through with my image. And that could take two or three years. And then, I always go back to, uh, to Jerry Reynolds, who says this, who said this many times. Um, anyone who the tells great you, Jerry Reynolds, the great Jerry Reynolds, he says, anyone at the NBA level that tells you they have a five-year plan has no plan at all <laughs> there because, uh, somehow, Jerry. somehow, uh, Vlade Divac just got five years. Most people do not get five years and anyone who thinks that they're walking into a deal into a team and has, has a five-year plan, you, you need a two-year plan and that two-year plan better be really good. And, you know, to go get back to with Pete D'Alessandro, he came in and he wowed them with binders and graphs and all of these things. He was so overly prepared for the job, had every player broken down that, they were like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Well, look, I, give me somebody who comes from a winning organization that isn't just like one of the guys. He's a guy who is ready, who you know is ready to take that next step. And uh, and to me, that's that's where I think we need to we need to get to. And and I'll also say this, Doug. Um, I have a picture of you on my phone with the great Jerry West and you have that picture. I've sent that picture to you. You guys were standing on the court. Like, look, I don't know why teams do this around the league. There's only one Jerry West. Like you cannot have a Jerry West role. There is not another situation in the NBA where a Jerry West role, it's only Jerry West. Jerry West goes to the Memphis Grizzlies, he builds a winner, a, an incredible winner. He is part of the idea that helps build a winner. He goes to the Golden State Warriors. He's part of the process that builds an incredible winner. He goes to the Los Angeles Clippers. They're a contender. 
there is only one Jerry West. You do not, I mean, there, Larry Bird might have some sort of over say, some sort of part of the conversation in Indiana, but there isn't another guy like that. So what you can't do is keep thinking that you're just going to pull a Chris Mullen or a Joe Dumars and create this Jerry West type thing. There's only one Jerry West and what you have to do is you have to get it right. You've got to give the reins of this organization over to someone who's ready, who has the backing of, of the people that he's worked with before that says, this dude is so brilliant and he's so ready and he will be the guy who can help you take your franchise to the next level. And then you got to cross your fingers and hope that that's the guy and give him every bit of support that you possibly can. Do not cut corners. If King Cantonella is part of that picture, that's fine. He's done some brilliant work. Uh, especially with these these contracts that the Kings can get out of. But to me, this is not a bad job. There is plenty of room to grow. Uh, they only have, I think it's three guys under contract after next year, and that's after they get De'Aaron Fox signed to his massive, he will get a max money deal, just so everyone knows. Um, that, that's, that will happen. It doesn't matter who's running this franchise, he's going to get a max money deal. Um, but like this team doesn't have, uh, they have all their draft picks. They have all the, it is a job that people should want. They have a brand new building, oh, brand new practice absolutely. facility. Everything is beautiful. So, so I don't know. I, let's listen with that, Doug. Uh, like who would you, it, is there someone, is there, uh, again, is there a direction that you want outside of just knowing that they're going to have an identity that they bring to the table? No, because see, I'm, I'm a little different than you, Ham. I, I, I don't think that the person that comes needs to bring the identity. I think that the, the, the Kings need to establish how they do business because that person's not going to be around forever. So you establish an identity If Papa leaves San Antonio. The, now they may not have the same winning success, but the identity of professionalism and how they go about their business and how they do their thing, it's pretty much ingrained now. And that's what I'm more of the mindset of defining that. And then from there, all your decisions that you make are made from that premise of this is how we do things. That might be a little different. It might not work, but that's my mindset. And that's what I would own. And I would hire somebody that was in line with that. That makes sense. That makes sense. I'll tell you this in all of my years of covering this, uh, the best interview in the NBA um, was Manu Ginobili. Uh, maybe the second best interview in the NBA is Steph Curry. Um, these are incredible players, Hall of Fame players, both of them. Uh, guys like Tim Duncan, incredibly engaging. Guys like Tony Parker, incredibly engaging. When Pau Gasol was there, just in uh, just incredibly engaging, and you want to talk to them. Um, again, the Warriors. Clay Thompson, it's not his personality, but he's found a way to be incredibly engaging. Uh, it's the culture of those teams that help those players find who they are and allows, at some point, forces them to be uncomfortable, to learn how to speak to the media, to learn how to have mm -hmm. conversations. It's that. It's that you want, the, the entire culture has to be about yes we're winning and we're comfortable in winning. We're comfortable in our own skin and we we're going to talk to people the right way. We're going to have real conversations. You go to a warrior shoot around, Steve Kerr sits around 
just like this on the court, anyone who wants to come sit by him and have a conversation with, I don't know how many championships he has as a player. It's like four or five championships as a player, Mm -hmm. another three rings as a coach. I mean, we're talking about, again, a hall of famer. He's, he's a legend at this point. Mm -hmm. He ran a dynasty, but he doesn't like, it's not like, let me go do my media session for five minutes and then I'm out. Like I, I went over and sat down and talked to Steph Curry for 10 minutes about De'Aaron Fox one day. Yeah. Any franchise well, is going to give me a two-time MVP. Yeah. That's, that's what you need. You need right. that the entire culture has to change of we are here to do basketball and to be really good at what we do. And that means every aspect. And we are, we're not going to be perfect. Draymond Green is going to say some things that are crazy. Uh, you know, we're going to have some mistakes, but this is who we are. This is how we treat people. This is how the business is done here. Yes, and, and that translates onto the court too. That uncomfortableness is looking in the mirror and seeing the things that you don't do well and that you need to improve on and how can I be better for my teammates and how can I help my teammates become better and hold them responsible and push them on and off the court. These are things that are an absolute must. And, and also, you obviously never interviewed me because uh, I'm the best interview ever, buddy. <laughs> hey, Doug, I think... We've done a few interviews at this point. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Uh, I, I did not get to do interviews with you as a player. That is very true. Uh, yeah, but you. you know what? Car casting just in itself. We spent hours in the car driving. <laughs> um, all of those things are our are interviews. And, and Doug knows this. Uh, I'm a sponge and my brain has a thirst for knowledge. And so I love having long conversations about life, about basketball, uh, about whatever. And so again, uh, that that's part of who I am and it's the curiosity that I have. So again, I love talking basketball and, uh, I love breaking down the draft and I think we're in for, uh, another crazy summer. We are, yeah. this is, you know, it's just, it's that is what King's basketball is. And until they oh. figure out how that is no longer King's basketball, Doug, then yeah. I, I believe that we're going to keep seeing this same thing. And I've said it many times, Ham, you got to start smacking some people around. And when you start smacking some people around, you gain that respect. Okay. Lay the smack down. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So Doug, do you have any final questions? This was, this was a heavy podcast, but I think we covered a lot of ground and a lot of good stuff here. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm excited, man. I mean, I'm sad in many ways, just period, uh, because uh, I lost people that I love. So that's part of it. But at the same time, um, I'm always excited for Kings basketball and watching a incredible product. You know, this is what I do. I, I love it in a way that uh, it it's my it's my life. I, I love basketball. I love learning it. I love teaching it. I love talking about it. So the next iteration of what we're going to see for the Kings is exciting to me. I want to see it. Um, I don't know when basketball is going to be back. I'm enjoying the bubble. I'm going to continue to enjoy the bubble, but uh, for Kings fans, I I just, I want something that when they walk and they rep their gear that they are just extremely, extremely proud of. That's, that's truly, truly all I want. Okay. So I'm going to finish this with, with this, Doug. Um, the process, uh, which was Sam Hankey, it was to find a star, right? That's, that's what the entire process was about. It was to tank and tank and tank some more until you found a star. 
and then it would it would all be worth it right that was the goal um i think the kings found a star in De'Aaron fox i'm, I'm gonna yes. be honest I, I do believe that i think i do they too found a star and you didn't have to go through 13 14 win seasons and nope. so i'm gonna ask kings fans this one favor if you think that vlade delivered you at least one piece that can be part of what turns this thing around then i'm gonna hold on to that and i'm gonna ask you to forgive whatever mistakes happened over the last five years and go back to loving vlade the player and the person and peja the player and the person that they were that you grew up with that you watched as the greatest the greatest show on on the court um, and the reason I would ask that is because they didn't come here with anything but the right, the right heart. And Absolutely. so I, I think to me, that would be these, these people, Sacramento has not had a lot of heroes, uh, especially the Kings. The Kings have not had a lot of heroes. Mitch Richmond, Chris Weber, uh, Vladi Divac, Peja Stoyakovic, Doug Christie, uh, Jason Williams, Mike Bibby, like, look, they came here to get you back yeah, and yeah. Mm-hmm. they didn't come away with the win. But I tell you this, they got you a whole hell of a lot closer than anyone else did over the last 14 years. And so let, let go of it at this point, let go of it and appreciate those guys for who they were as basketball players. And the fact that they, they did have a, a clean heart and that their mind was in the right place. Their heart was in the right place. So that's what yeah. I'll, I'll end with, Doug. Or come see me because I am not having any Peja and Vlade slander. So <laughs> that ain't going to happen. Doug's going to Rick Fox all of you. He's going <laughs> to Rick Fox all of you. <laughs> all right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Purple Talk podcast on NBC Sports California. Uh, thanks to Wendy's for being a sponsor. Uh, and thank you to Doug Christie for joining us for an engaging discussion. Uh, once again, I have interviewed Doug Christie. And so <laughs> that's going to do it for this edition of the Purple Talk podcast, NBC Sports. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye.